You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. And here's a man with a plan, leader of the band, buff and tanned, Dave, the killer bread man, doll. Hey, thanks, Bob, and thanks, Mark, for that great introduction. Hi, welcome to the Felony Inc. podcast, motherfuckers, live from downtown Portland, Oregon. I'm Dave Dahl, a four-time loser who finally realized I was playing a game I couldn't win. I replaced a pattern of addiction, desperation, and incarceration with medication, education, and an honest occupation. That was the creation of Dave's Killer Bread. Being at the helm of DKB was a surreal experience, and it didn't lead to happily ever after. My humility got its ass kicked. I came big and I fell hard in 2013, uh, having a well-publicized well mental breakdown. What didn't kill me eventually made me stronger. In the years since that horrific incident, I've rekindled my passion to make the world a better place. To that end, on Felony Inc., we share stories of transformation, talking with ex-felons who have successfully rewired their thinking, are making something of themselves, and are positive forces in the community through entrepreneurship. With me today, as usual, unfortunately, is another veteran of the Oregon State Correctional System, Portland's most infamous radio face, Lad Justison. What's going on, little buddy? <laughs> hey, everybody out there. How you doing today? I want to let everybody know today that uh, I'm going to be taking a couple months sabbatical from uh, the podcast. I will be going to gambling treatment. It's gotten a little out of control, started small, got big, and now it's time for me to admit to myself and to everybody that uh, it's gotten out of control. So, Dave, what are you going to do without me? Who are you going to bring in? Do you have some special co-hosts or what? Well, let's see. I wonder if Pee Wee Herman is available because I, I need someone that's similar to you uh, to take your place. Well, you and Pee Wee have a lot in common because, you know, both Yeah, guys. and uh, so uh, <laughs> I need someone who's half a man. Well, just don't get caught in the theater. I'll tell you what, every week I think I'll have a guest. I'm going to go out on the streets of Portland and find, find me somebody who uh, sleeps on the street, because there's thousands of those people, and see if they want to be my co-host Well, for that day. Wow. Maybe uh, some pretty girls, huh? What do yeah, you think? Uh, definitely pretty girls, for sure. Well... So, uh, so you know, what is it like? Uh, you know, talk a little bit more about this. You're bearing your soul today. Tell, tell us what, you know, how this happened. Well, you know, it started out, um, my ex-girlfriend um, oh, was gambling behind my back and didn't realize it for, the, for a long time. 
And uh, when she finally admitted it, I decided, well, you know, maybe the best thing is just to join her every once in a while. <laughs> That's how it started, and then boom. I, uh, the, the first time I did it, Dave, was uh, unreal because we went to get a burger. They had some machines there. We were waiting for the burger to come. I put in, you know, 40 bucks or something, and then... Um, the burger came, so I just maxed it out and just started hitting it just to get it out of the machine, and boom, $500 winner. Ah. Just like that, and that started me on a trail of uh, right going in. out once in a while and doing it with her and some other friend, and uh, and now it's out of control. And, well, uh, yeah, and I, and I remember you uh, actually went and got some help for it for a while, and um, you actually seemed like you had it under control, and but you were hiding behind, uh, you know, that facade of yours. I was. And, you know, um, you being my friend, I should have came and talked to you about it, you know, yeah. a long time ago. But I would kick your fucking ass. But knowing that uh, you're so busy and your mind is... Uh, got 150,000 things going on it and you can only handle one at a time um, well something like that yeah, I don't think that was your real reason because you know that um, yeah I would have taken time for that so anyway that sounds like you know when you go and get your treatment one of the first things one of the most important things you're going to learn is to quit talking so much shit and you know to start really telling it like it is <laughs> you don't really want me to tell them really like it is no well, it depends. The viewers, um, the viewers would be, they would, ah. Well, you don't know, you don't know, Shat, you know, you don't know a whole lot. And your credibility is, you know, not that great it's right It's pretty now. bunked out right yeah. now. Yeah, mm -hmm. because you've been, that facade of yours. But now you're, you're taking the first step towards redemption. That's right. And you got to at least give me a little bit of credit for I do. just laying the hammer down and saying, you know what? I do, but this you haven't done going. the hard part yet. But I'm going to do it. <laughs> uh, unless I'm hitchhiking back from Salem, you know? Yeah. yeah. What does this entail? Do you go somewhere? Or? Yeah, the, the treatment center is in Salem, Oregon. Right on. Um, so Dave's going to have to give me a ride down there. And then it's two months of, uh, you know, inpatient treatment. And I'll... Uh, Hopefully, uh, be able to get a little workout and lay in the sun, and you know, the, the hard work begins. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to have to quit smoking at the same time. Um, yeah, it's a non smoking facility. So, so don't be sneaking cigarettes or yes. anything else. No. All right. Well, um, we got to the bottom of that, didn't we? And to, today's guest. Today's guest. Who's our guest today? Well, it's Jeff. Jeffrey Mark. Rousey, is that any relation to Ronda Rousey? You think? She is my little sister. Good. Oh, you're kidding me. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Mark or Jeffrey, uh, he founded Original Pilot House Coffee in 2009 under extraordinary circumstances. I took that from, uh, I believe that was his web, uh, somebody's website. Uh, it's interesting that he was incarcerated at that time. Uh, in 2013, he was released from prison after doing nearly 28 years. Lad, he's got you beat, even. That's right. Uh, I'm wondering if he, if he got, if I got that right. Did I get that right? You got that right. 27 what? years and 10 months. Wow. Welcome to the Felony Podcast, Jeffrey Mark Rousey. Hey, Dave. Before we start this, 
I just want you to be really cool with this guest because I definitely don't want him having sending him a sister over here to deal with you. <laughs> That's right. God, how many times do you have to sit, have to have your sister like fight for you? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't that doesn't happen. Yeah, you're probably tough enough to take care of yourself, right? Yeah. Well, hey, man. Um, I did. I did run into a little barrier. Hopefully, uh, that that'll be fixed by the time most people listen to this. Um, but I was unable to, and maybe it's just because I'm a dumb motherfucker. But I could not, without uh, you know, going through some changes, get to your story. So we're gonna get to it now. Uh, where would you like to begin? You know, where does it begin being interesting? Well, I think my whole, probably my last 15 years in prison was pretty interesting. Um, do you think? It, do you think your childhood uh, leading up to that? Because sometimes that is what our, our, our listeners love to hear. Um, well, what too. led me to prison and my life change are two entirely different stories. The what led me to prison um, was just being young and cocky, and basically I felt like I had the world by the balls, and nobody nobody could tell me what to do. Right. So I got a job at General Dynamics down in San Diego. Um, I painted uh, missile parts for the Tomahawk cruise missile, the advanced cruise missile, and the MX missile. Um, I worked on some really cool projects while I was there. Wow, that sounds um, like a great job. Um, and yeah, you until you start mixing. Yeah, until you start mixing that with methamphetamine, yeah. and then it doesn't become such a great it's job. And so then, fun tweaking on those planes, man. <laughs> well, when people find out what you do for a living, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, you have. Um, how do I say this? I had at my disposal every chemical that you needed to uh, manufacture methamphetamine. Now, are you so, talking about a Sudafed uh, style or even I'm maybe the old I'm talking about the red way. phosphorus style. So yeah. we, um, I don't want to get into all of that. All I would tell yeah. you is that my addiction led to um, the death of a man. And because of that death, I was convicted of first-degree murder. And I was sentenced to 25 years to life and truly didn't think I was ever going to get out of prison. So I was sentenced in 1986. I was transferred to Folsom Prison. And I don't know if you guys know how Folsom Prison was in 1986. I but it was don't. literally a killing field. Mm -hmm. So we... It's all about surviving uh, that yard, huh? Yeah, you know, and... I got lucky because they had some programs there that would, you know, even the, the hardest-headed individual, it allotted them an opportunity to pull their head right out of their ass. So I started on the boxing team. I started on the powerlifting team. And that and, you know, coming to grips with what I had done and trying to you know, figure out how to move forward with my life. Those were the biggest challenges. Um, when you take a person's life, there's no, there's no coming back from that. There's no forgiveness for that. There's, I mean, that is truly the ultimate crime. Whoa, oh, let me, let me break in there. Um, don't you believe you have to forgive yourself, though? No, I, I mean, 
you absolutely have to forgive yourself in order to grow. Mm-hmm. But but from um, other people may never forgive. Exactly. You. Yeah. So there's a big difference it's between a tough how one. yeah how a family may view you versus how you view you, or how the pro board views you, or how society views you. Absolutely. So what I've done is I've spent my time in prison differently and mostly productively. So, um, so Jeff, you know, um, we like to hear, you know, the viewers, our listeners, uh, they like to, you know, we like to, you know, really get out there the fact that education was, was part of, you know, the change. Was that for you? Did you take advantage of some educational things there? Yeah, before um, they passed a house bill up here in the state of Washington, which gutted the vocational and educational programs. But I got to take advantage of those programs before they took them out of the prisons. And uh, I got two degrees. And I learned, you know, I learned how to weld in prison. I learned how to fabricate steel in prison. I learned how to work wood in prison. Um, and your degrees were in in what? In now? auto mechanics and welding. That's cool. I love that. So, hey, I, my my car's kind of running rough, Jeff. You can, can you <laughs> come down and maybe uh, check it out. Yeah, I actually, I'm doing um, so well with the other facets of my life. I don't even wrench on my own cars except for the old pickup I just built. So. Yeah, you don't have to. You actually don't have to listen to anything he says or answer, <laughs> answer anything. Just ignore him. He's, I've been out for five years, and it's it is an amazing, it's an amazing journey. It really is. It's that it is, my brother. Um, I'd love to meet you sometime. I was hoping you'd be in the studio today, but uh, well, we're this next best thing right here. Um, yeah. That okay, so you well, I've you been found, out of prison for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to continue to talk about prison, only and some of the things that only the things that are inspirational, the things that made a difference in your life. Well, I will say this I, I went to Stafford Creek, which was a brand new prison in the state of Washington, and it didn't have any programs, it didn't have any gymnasium, no weight deck, no big yard, no library. I mean, it was brand freaking new. And as they were building the prison, you know, they were they were transferring people to that prison. And I was given an opportunity to to help put together and build a hobby shop, you know, for working wood and leather and ceramics, et cetera, what we call curio or. This was after um, you got your degrees. Yeah, this was after way after. Um, And the neat thing was, is I put together a program that I called Toy Time at Stafford Creek and what it what it was was an opportunity for the men to learn how to make I mean super cool stuff out of wood like old you know monster trucks and logging trucks and choo-choo trains and jewelry boxes and basically give those gifts to different nonprofits in the community for fundraising yeah well the the biggest thing was is that when the men came into the program the first thing I told them was, is I want you guys to make some really cool shit and let's figure out how to send it to your family or your friends. And the first, you know, the, at first nobody could believe that we, they were going to get some free shit so that they could make some cool shit and send it to their people. But the reality is most of us in prison have burnt every bridge 
that we ever had and we've harmed every relationship we ever had. So the first thing I wanted to do was try to help the men build those bridges and build those bridge the gaps and form relationships and at the same time make cool shit with their hands and learn how to give from something that they made. And I had a, a motto back then is, is if you can teach a man how to give instead of take, it changes everything. That's true. And, uh, and you we know what, started yeah, with six guys. Um, the first year we made 38 gifts. Um, five years later, there was 180 guys involved and over 5,000 gifts. So, how did you, okay, how did, even even something like that takes um, resources from the DOC. So I'm wondering. Um, well, you, DOC they, won't do anything like that. So what we were able to do is, is we were able to, to get some sponsorship from the community, the local lumber yards and, and different stores. And people would come in and they would show their craft and donate material. And we would use that material. And, and first of all, most of the boxes that we made, the jewelry boxes, were made out of pallets. And they were so ridiculously cool. Yeah. And people Love couldn't that. they couldn't believe that you could take an old pallet and make something like this Basically out of it. Basically junk wood. Wood is scrap, yeah. scrap wood. And I used to tell, you know, the men that these pallets are a lot like us. I mean, they threw this shit away just like they threw us away. Mm -hmm. And now look at that box and look at who's building that box. Love it. So it's really it's how Metaphors. you look at things, man. Yeah. So uh, so Jeff, you know, um, when you were in there and working with these men, you you say there's you know all these guys that are in that program. How many of those guys got out and then became a resource in the community to help those guys doing what you were doing? So we put a kind of a group together up here of of ex felons that have gotten out and have done really well and. You know, we kind of, we still kind of just get together to kick it and make a spread and twist up some burritos and throw down some nachos or whatever, you know. And we like to get together, um, you know, a couple, three times a year. And I say that that number is right around 90 now. So that's a big number. I don't know, you know, as far as percentages go, but these are guys that, you know, weren't supposed to get out of prison. I mean, myself, I, I spent 27 years and 10 months in prison, and I was given a life beef, and I was denied parole six freaking times. But these programs that I'm talking about instill hope in the men. And when we have hope in there, Dave, you know what happens. I do. So I think that's all most of us need is that little bit of hope to fuel a fire. Yeah, and for me, for me it was... Um you know, I got medication, which I didn't know would help me. It did. I, uh, and then I got education, which was vocational training, which obviously they took away for a lot, in a lot of cases. After that, they took it away up there. They took it away down here. But, you know, there are opportunities. And how do you, you know, it's the transformation in the person that we're, we're aiming for. So um, when it takes a change in someone's mind. And um, yeah. and that is that's not easy. Uh, you know, it, it's adversity is an amazing teacher. Yeah, am I right? Well, my, when my mother came um, to visit me while I was in Folsom Prison, I mean, she 
I mean, to face your mom and let her know what happened in your crime and how it happened and how her son could be in that situation. And I mean, the devastation and pain yeah. that I caused to my own mom at that that moment. And I'm not even thinking at that moment about all of the other pain that I caused. I mean, the ripple effect of what we do when we commit crimes is unfreaking believable. And that moment of realization, you know, I, I'm not a person that cries, but at that time I cried so hard. I mean, I literally had snot bubbles coming out of my nose. <laughs> I think uh, there are appropriate I, I mean, times. I gave my mom my word. I told her no matter what happens, mom, as long as I live, I will not, I will never, ever do another drug again as long as I live on this planet. And I've kept that word to her. So she passed away in 2002. Hmm. And uh, so much yeah. happens. I mean, that's a great, that's actually a great thing to talk about just for a second is when you do 27 years, and the longest I ever did was seven and a half straight. Lad did 20 straight. Yeah. Um, even in seven and a half years, the way things are these days, a lot changes. I can only yeah. imagine what 27 years, um, I can't even imagine it, you know. Well, and, Lad, you know that, I mean, it ha when you go to prison at a certain age and you get out at a certain age, I mean, I lost my mom and my dad and my grandparents and, you know, aunts and uncles and basically almost everybody in my family passed away before I ever got out. So I have my brothers and sisters and cousins, which is a blessing, but. Um, and you got out, but one of the things that's interesting, so you got out 2013. Yeah. And wow, technology, what, it, what had happened. Yeah, I'd never oh seen God. a cell phone before. Nobody. I don't know what the hell was a computer. You know, yeah. I mean, even for me, <laughs> seven and a half years, um, I it was from 1997 to 2000 and uh, basically 2005. They that was um, unbelievable to me. Uh, it, to me, it was fascinating. It was just so exciting because of my transformation in life. Not only was I transforming, but the world was transforming. And uh, it was just unbelievably exciting, and I, I used all that to my advantage. Um, so there is opportunity. That's one thing that you've you've embraced is opportunity, and your opportunities for education, which are so big. Um, I can't stress enough how how powerful education can be once you apply yourself to it. And then um, applying yourself to a business, and then now we're going to talk about how that came about, if if we're ready to go there. But we're going to. I'd like to say one thing about sure. the education. I think education is so important because most of the men that have been in prison never completed um, education. And the thing of it is, is when you are in a rehabilitative state, when you're incarcerated and in this state where rehabilitation is. Um, it can happen. Well, you know, and Jeff, an I, individual goes to, to school and he learns something, and then all of a sudden it's a game changer and the lights turn on and you don't even realize how gifted you are until all of a sudden you start learning all this crap and then you're like, what the F did I, how did I, 
You know what I mean? This is so much better than doing drugs. <laughs> this is so yeah. much better than living on the street. This is, you know, Dude. I mean, I, yes. I, I, I would And then what away. ends up happening is we start dreaming and thinking, what That's if? Right. And you know what? If yeah. I just could or just. And after a while you go, well, not only could I, but I will. And yes. uh, maybe I won't. Maybe I won't be a millionaire. But I'll tell you what. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have all the fun in the world, uh, creating and making something happen, and enjoying the journey. And and that's what happened to me. Um, yeah. We have to take a break for a second because Lad, unfortunately, has to talk. Wow, this is. Don't fuck it up, Lad. I have feelings, Dave. I have feelings. Don't fuck it up again, Lad. Okay. So CPA dudes, where accounting is never boring, their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. You can find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio and tell them Dave and Lad and Jeff sent you. And... All on. And all on. And we'll send you a special surprise. Seriously, we will. Good job. Hey, I think we should record that and just play it every time. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, back to where we were at. I think that um, what you were talking about is super important. And if you want to uh, keep talking about it, you're welcome to. Or we can move on to... Because uh, you were talking about education. And I could talk about that forever because that was um, just essential to my transformation in life. It made well, the vote, go ahead. Uh, I don't know, do you guys still have any vocational programs in Oregon? Yes, uh, I mean, I think they do, but honestly, it's different, you know, I don't think, yeah. I'm not sure if they have any, like you can go get a degree and something, or um, unless you... I can't even tell you how many times I have argued with administrative staff and just told them, if you give me a freaking room, 100 foot by 100 foot, and you give me 25 welding machines, I will teach these men how to go out there and make a living. And I love that. And, now, on and, that note, um, the cost of doing that is is pretty pretty good, pretty high. And then having the uh, actually wise, you know supervision, which they don't that's resources, supervision resources, and you know they're going to be like, well, that's a lot of money. So you know what that requires is passionate people in the community. Are am I? Yeah. You feel the same way about that? Yeah. There's a will. There's a way. I mean, I know. A uh, hundred metal fabrication shops that would donate equipment to a program that would bring them a steady stream of badasses. You know what? I uh, just joined the uh, I just joined the board of a, of an organization called Bridges to Change, and um, they are growing hand over fist with opportunities. And I've seen I'm starting to learn how these things come about. You know how how these sorts of things are made to happen. Um, and they manifest. In other words, like I've seen an organization where it's all about women, uh, you know, it's specialized for women reentry uh, that I've seen just recently come about because someone was passionate about that. Some woman was passionate about that and she made this happen. Um, so I'm trying to learn how that happens and then I'm going to uh, talk to people like you and see what we can do, you know. Um, I really want to to bring more vocational training opportunities in prison. I believe in it. 
especially you can call me you can call me or text me anytime i have a shit ton of resources up here so great i think that you and i are thinking very much the same yeah. way so yeah. we'll we'll connect up with uh after the podcast and you know dave i, th- I think it's important that uh you know um those opportunities um are s- are shared with the juvenile system because that's really yes. where everything starts. If we can mm-hmm. catch them at an early age, boom. I totally it's a agree. Different, different I, track. I think that honestly, I think there's a there's more going on in the juvenile system. They they do recognize that, and there is a little bit more going on in the juvie system than there is in the adult system. And um, but it, yes, everywhere. You know, I mean, I'm all about it. I, Every person that transforms their lives becomes a productive member of society. That is a two-person swing. You no longer have this negative uh, pull on society, drag on society, and now you have somebody who's going out there and creating good things and making a difference in a business, making a difference in their family, making a difference in the community, in the world. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. All right, Jeff. So, look, I got a question for you. We're doing all the talking, aren't we? We are. So, I want to, you know, (laughs) this business that you started, uh, give us a little rundown. You know, me and Dave were talking about this before. You started this when you were in. Yeah. And uh, the idea. Yeah. So, my grandpa, Rousey, when he passed away, um, he left each one of us grandkids $2,500. And I know that that's not a lot of money, but when you're in prison and 42 cents an hour is what's happening, 2500 bucks is like, dude, I'm a fucking millionaire. Yeah. And I mean, the first thing I wanted to do was invest in stock or invest in something or buy something to invest in or whatever. Bonds, sure. stocks, what I was just thinking... A million miles an hour, what am I going to do with this money? How am I going to make this money work for me? And, you know, when you are in prison for so many years, your mind is so sheltered from the reality of how the world works. In a lot of ways, it's a gift because we're not hindered by things that people in community are. And the That's other- true. Yeah, so the other side, yes. So the other side of that coin is, is that we also um, ask questions that most people think are dumb, but they're really not because they make really good sense to us. Yeah. And you know how, so I can explain it like this. People talk about the sixth sense. Well, us convicts, we have seven. And you don't really know that until you get out of prison. When you're on the big yard and shit's getting ready to go down, we feel it. We know what it feels like. The energy that's in the air, that's that seventh sense. When we have a conversation with someone, we have seconds to determine whether that's friend or foe. And we get that. It's integrated in us from prison. That is a huge, huge gift when you get out of prison. Yeah, well, I can admit, the, I, I have to admit are, that mine isn't that sharp because I get sucked in all the time by BS. So, anyway, yeah, go ahead. Um, people, well, I kind of get off, I'm sorry, I got off kilter. So, really, um, the $2,500 I thought so far outside the box that somebody had to yank me back in the box. And hmm. I, I wanted to buy oil. Hmm. It's the largest traded commodity on the face of the earth. I wanted to buy oil. And I'm thinking, well, if I buy a barrel of oil, where am I going to put it? And who's going to process it? How long do I hang on to it? 
And I didn't know that buying a barrel of oil was a piece of paper. Right. So, but then I thought about coffee. I can store the coffee if I buy coffee. And then that led to me making, writing letters to different farmers and finding out how I could buy coffee. And I'm thinking if I buy it from the farmer, then I don't have to pay a middleman. And I don't even know it. (laughs) So I don't even know it, but in 2010, I'm doing direct trade. So um, I actually took 2000 of the $2,500 that I got from my grandpa and I purchased coffee from a farmer in Costa Rica. And I had uh, one of my friends picked the coffee up at customs and took it to a roaster and they roasted the beans to my profile and I put together a website my little brother did and we started an online store and that's exactly how in 2009 coffee started yeah yeah so this is you were in partner you were partners with your brother or did you just had no 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 no. I wasn't partners with anybody I asked uh, my brother to build me a website and that's what he does for a living Mm -hmm. so I it was so it was so amazing how everybody wants a penny of your dollar. And if you mm-hmm. think about making a buck and you think about how many people want to touch that yep. money. And at the end of it, if you make two cents and you're happier than pig and shit. Well, but the reality with, is yeah. yeah, and but you don't really know how many rules and regulations there are until you get into it. I I didn't know I had to have a customs broker. I didn't know I had to have a license from the FDA. I didn't know I had to do this. I didn't know I had to do that. And everybody wants money. Attorneys. Oh, my God. (laughs) You you need them and and you hate them at the same time. But I learned how to navigate that crap while I was in prison. And that was, I mean, that's a huge, it was huge because I had the time to learn it. You know, we had the, we have a library. We have, you know, our friends on the phone, you call them and ask them to Google this, Google that, you know, and because I want to learn. So that's basically how I learned coffee. I read every book I could. When I got out of prison, I went to roasting school. Um, so, so how's go that? Go ahead. So, okay, so you got out of prison. Now, you had this website in prison. What were you doing uh, with coffee while you were in prison? You were just, at that point, just investing in, in coffee? No, I, had a, I formed a friendship with a guy that roasted coffee in Olympia, Washington. And I told him that I was going to have delivered to his house 250 pounds of green Costa Rican beans, and I would like him to roast it to these profiles. And he said, hmm, interesting. He says, I've been roasting coffee for 20 years and I've never done that. And I said, well, let's try it and let's see what happens. And we tried it and we saw what happened and we honed it in and dialed it in a little bit. And it was amazing coffee. Wow. So, And this is because um, of research you did? Yeah, all the crap that I've been reading. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go to the library and you can do interlibrary loans. And I know that you guys know that, you know, you can... I don't know if Oregon, do, do they do that? Dude, I, I I never knew about anything like this when I was doing time, but this is a while, So when you go to the ago. prison library, mm-hmm. I mean, you can pretty much um, get a book on anything. So, so that was, that's, that was in uh, Washington prison? 
Yeah. I don't know if we have that available in Northern. Maybe now. Uh, you might want to look into that. Yeah, yeah. They, I feel like that the state has state libraries, and the prisons can order and borrow books from those libraries, and they're yeah, I'm just sure somebody for like 10 days. Cool. I'm sure somebody's going to let me know um, whether that's true or not uh, here in Oregon. But um, if it is, that's great. I was also thinking that, you know, the what you were going through with the, um, you know, you got you had these different flavors of coffee, and you know, the, another principle becomes clear at this point. You had the time to be able to research this stuff, and you took advantage of that time. Now, the difference between somebody on the streets. Um, they don't have, generally don't have the time that we do while we're in prison. We don't have the resources in prison that you have on the streets, and we don't have the opportunities that we have to for business, but we do have hella opportunities, and you took advantage. Yeah, get off the pinnacle table, stop playing dominoes, and yep. get into some books. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, when I had my shit together, it was working out. You know, I did my, I didn't work out like all day long or anything. I, I tried to get a workout in pretty much every day, and I went to school for drafting, um, and I was on a roll at that point. So I, it's very similar. I think I have a very similar story in in the dynamics of it. One of the things that was cool is like a year and a half after I started selling coffee and people are just raving about this coffee and Mm. I've never been able to taste it. (laughs) And uh, we had a Christmas Christmas event in the visitor room and I I donated um, 50 pounds of coffee to the event and I got to finally taste my freaking coffee, man. It was off the chain cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is amazing. So you had you got to try all the different flavors. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we de- we donated um, several pounds of each, and it was neat. But of course, I couldn't say anything. You know, I couldn't tell the tell the staff that oh yeah, this is my coffee. So well, I just had to kind of keep it down low. Yeah, that's cool. So so you never really told anybody till you got out. Huh? No, I I go into the prisons and speak now. Um, my wife and I go in for job fairs and we help the men navigate employment i'm pretty plugged into the construction um field up here in seattle and i really i help the men plug in with jobs and i bring people in to my own coffee company and hire them and train them and send them out into the big world and interesting we do yeah, we do a little giving back our own selves. So. That's great. Um, but let me get to, you know, a lot of a lot of people who listen to this show um, listen to it for reasons of like, um, you know, how did you make this business successful? Are, is this a successful uh, going concern at this point where you don't have to have another job or? Um, is it? Oh yes, coffee is solely my life, and so. it's it's making you a good living. It does. I, I'm making great. a great living. It's uh, We're super blessed. I think I did, uh, we're doing about 1,250 pounds of coffee out the front door sales mm. a month. Retail. Yeah. Wow. So that's, that's pretty, <laughs> for a small town, this is good money. And so are you doing wholesale business too or entirely? Yeah. So I have a few wholesale accounts and it's, it's growing, you know, every single week and I just they changed the laws in our town to where you can 
ride quad runners and side-by-sides on the streets of the, our town. Wow. And now we're delivering coffee. we got a coffee delivery service on side-by-sides. <laughs> that, so <it's> pretty- <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah, we're having fun with it. All right. I well, want to interject sure. you know, something before we move any farther. You bet. Um, a lot of the men, you know, when we were when we were in prison, we were, we have to come to grips with the crime that we committed. We have to figure out what it was that led us there, and we have to make peace with ourselves. And you know, they have AA programs and they have NA programs, and you know, they talk about they talk about spirituality. They talk about you know different realms of our spirit and our soul and I just I challenge the men that are listening to this to figure out in your soul in your spirit who you are and how it is that you can move forward in a different way and I mean I I love Jesus I mean I cuss a lot and he forgives that and he forgives so. all but I just I want want people to know it's okay to dig deep and fix what's broken and move forward yeah, bigger. And, and, you know, everybody's got... That, one thing about this show is everybody's got their own way, but, you know, it, it, one of the things we like to talk about is, the, is humility. And yeah. uh, that humility that you're talking about is so essential to, in my, in, you know, in my opinion, to the transformation process. You have to start at where you're at. And acceptance and humility are such big keys to having a good life. Yeah. Not expecting ridiculous results either of things. It's there's a lot of principles that I'm sure that you understand and that you're you're espousing here. I need to actually go to a break. Okay. Uh, where am I? Today's episode of Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all the communications with media and any content required to do this. That is press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Also, listeners, please give Felony Inc. podcast a review on iTunes. We might even read it on the air. Dudes and ladies. See, it says motherfuckers, but I I don't say that. Oh, I just did. All right. Uh, So let's get back to our great guest here. You know, not only is he Ronda Rousey's big brother, (laughs) that's pretty much cool right there, uh, he's done some pretty doggone cool things on his uh, in his own right. What do you think of that, lad? Well, you know, I'm I always like the personal side. You know that, Dave. So, um, <clears throat> how proud is Rhonda and the rest of your family? How proud are they of you right now, Jeff? Everybody's really. Um, it's I can't even put words into it. I mean, <clears throat> I think everybody kind of took a step back when I first got out to see how. I was going to adjust, but I've had my head down and just hauling ass. And you know, the my family has just really wrapped their arms around me, and it's it's been nice. Can I? Uh, am I right when I say that the achievement runs in the family? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. My my brother Todd um, builds um, F-35s and F-22s at Lockheed in Georgia, and 
my sister Christy. I mean, we're all and Jennifer. She's a school teacher. I mean, we're all super gifted in our own rights. So That's it cool. definitely runs in the in the family. I think that uh, that for the most part is true for anyone in prison that there, you do have a gift and um, it's all about believing in yourself which it takes it, it takes some work to get there um, so where were we there we we only have like 15 minutes left and I know it's gonna go fast so I'm just gonna let you roll brother well I just I think we talked about how I started the business and now that I've been out there's been you know, for the guys that are in and are listening to this podcast, I just want to say this. Um, the game plan that you have in your head, um, don't let go of it. The hope that you have in your heart, don't let go of that. But have a plan B and a plan C because everything that you think is going to happen is not going to happen. That's right. You have to You have to really, you have to really be able to be flexible and, and learn. Learn this life and learn how the world works and... Learn your groove and learn what you can contribute. And uh, I, I think as far as my release goes, those were my biggest struggles. I mean, I never saw a cell phone before. I never knew. Um, I never even wanted one. Yeah, man, but you can't live with, without I one. I can't no. live without it. I mean, my Nobody whole business can. runs off of technology. Me too. And I, Dave's Killer Bread was all about that phone. That, that I, first it was a, a BlackBerry, then it was a, eventually an iPhone. Um, so, but, but go ahead, lad. Did you have that one? Ask that question. Did you? Well, yeah, that too. But um, you know, our listeners, you know, Jeff, um, I, I'm sure um, they want to know. Uh, like, like me and Dave, you know, we we took advantage of whatever we could when we were in there. Our change happened when we were there. There's no magic line when you walk out that gate that things are going to be different for you. So tell us how important it was for you and for them. To you know, to take advantage of what they're doing, and you know they can in there right now. Yeah, I, I I feel fortunate that I was able to take advantage of the vocational programming and the educational programming that was there. But um, like I said earlier, I mean, I really you have to come to peace and come to terms with what we've done, and we have to know how we can do it differently. And right now, I mean, I wake up every single day and what I want to do is make people smile. I want to make a difference in someone's life. You know, when there's um, someone broke down on the side of the road, I'm the guy that stops to make sure you're okay. Hey, you need some gas or do you need a ride or whatever? I'm the guy that will help with a tire change. I dreamt about doing that while I was in prison Mm -hmm. and I get to do it now. And I mean, my life is crazy busy, but the bottom line is, is that we... Mm -hmm. My rehabilitation is continuing by helping others every day. Yeah, it has to, doesn't it? Um, it does. You get too comfortable and look out, man. That's that's my that's my history. Um, I had great success, and as hard as I worked at keeping it from going to my head, it did anyway. So. Uh, and so it's like, okay, what what are the what are the principles that worked before? I gotta I gotta reconnect with those. And so yeah, I've been um, I'm, I'm so, consistently back at that. Dave, when you when you decided that you wanted to scale up your program, I mean, was it your decision or was it someone else's decision? You mean which program? The work? Your the bread. business? Oh no, that was. You know, 
that was something that had to happen. It was my decision was always to to grow to the level that we were capable of. Um, you know, you can only do so much with an infrastructure, but without without having to change that infrastructure and adapt that infrastructure to growth. And then, of course, there's the cost of. Uh, there's the cost of growing, which is insane. Um, for you know, because you're trying to be a bigger corporation before you have the resources to be a bigger corporation. So um, it was it was something very challenging, but there was no choice. There there was no um, I didn't have an alternative choice where I could say, well, let's just make this great bread, uh, and sit around, uh, or do our best job right here and sell it to Portlanders and sell it to you know local people. Uh, if we'd have done that, we would have lost the race. And there's a race out there with, um, I think the same is probably true of coffee, but it certainly was true with bread. So I'd like to intervene and, and add something to that. Um, <clears throat> I got out of prison. I was 50 years old. Hmm. Um, I have no money. I have no savings. I have some skills. My thought is, is if I can get a job... I don't care if I'm digging ditches or milking cows. It doesn't matter. If I can just get a job and start making money. That's correct. Yeah. That I'm paying taxes on. I could literally take that paycheck and gift it to my coffee company as an owner investment. Mm -hmm. Nice. And grow my business the way that I want to grow my business. So any of the fellas that are in prison right now listening to this, I will tell you, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can do it. And I have paid cash for every single thing that I have. I don't have any debt. I am never going to be a millionaire, but I live a good life. And I started digging ditches at $22 an hour, and I started gifting my paycheck, my whole paycheck, to my coffee company. My coffee company pays for my life. It pays for my phone, it pays for my car, it pays for my insurance, it pays for every single facet of my life. I have never taken an owner draw from my company, and right now my company owes me about $400,000. That's my 401k. Wow, that's fantastic. So that's a way for the men to know that no matter what situation you're in, you can do it. And that's a good point right there. Um, even on its own, just... People going out and getting jobs is, you know what? Things are not going to be easy no matter what you do. They're not. That's right. Get ready That's for right. that. Um, it's harder on the streets than it is in prison, you know. Yeah. Uh, in general, it's harder. There's some tough things that happen in prison. Don't get me wrong. But when you get out here, you better be ready for some serious, uh, you know, hard knocks. And the first thing you want to be able to do is accept your situation if you get a job digging ditches you consider yourself fortunate um that's the way i looked at it i went to work with my family but i only made 12 bucks an hour for a long time and i worked a lot more than 40 hours but only got paid for 40. i was willing to make those sacrifices i was putting sweat equity into into what became dave's yes. good bread yes and uh you know eventually i, I it succeeded beyond my wildest dreams uh, we also I, have to we also have to be able to accept help from the people that love us 
like true. I wouldn't be in I wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in right this minute if I didn't have so much love from my family. Um, my wife, her mom and dad have taken us in and loved on us and helped us every single step of the way. I have a secure, safe foundation in which I could launch. And that right there, you can't, I can't even tell you how I, it's so important for the men to build a foundation, a, a strong foundation to be able to live your life from. And don't be afraid to accept help from people that care about you. you know, a lot of us have been in prison for so long. We don't want, we don't want, you know, we feel like we're tainted or we don't need this or I want to do things my way or whatever. Don't, I'm just, I can't say this loud enough. Don't turn away the love that, that people have for you. And if they want to help, do take the help and go and run yeah. with it. Yeah, it's amazing that people, people it's kind of surprising, shocking when you think about that people would, would not take that help, but then yep. there's reasons why. There's pride, yep. there's, there's like, God, yep. I, I don't want, I don't want to pull, I don't want to drag anymore on society than I already have, so I don't want to, I don't want to be this burden, but you know what, uh, when people see you turning, giving it your best shot, they're going to be on your side and they're going to want to help you and you're going to yep. want to return that favor down the road. You're going to want to be that same, that person who gives back as well. Um, I, I, I had, I had a family, um, I had family help, but, um, you know, I did have my mom. My mom gave me a place to live. It was in her garage when I got out, and yep. uh, you know, I didn't I didn't make much money, and I I lived with my mom in her garage, and I was the happiest I'd ever been. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love that. Yes. And I drove an '89 Ranger when I finally got a car. It was an '89 Ranger. I drove that for three years, <laughs> um, and I was fucking happy, man. <laughs> and so that—that's it's. There's a lesson there, and you—it's yeah. acceptance, it's humility, the courage that you get from that. And you take any kind of—you should take any kind of help you can get if you're on the right track and you're doing the right thing, because it will pay back. It will. It will. You will be able to pay it back. And you got to work your way to that. Um, I'd like to say one more thing before yeah. our time runs out. So, um, I I was involved in the building industry in Seattle, and now I'm involved in a couple of different aspects there. Um, I keep my hand in it, only for the fellows that are in prison. Um, but we do what's called deconstruction. We'll take houses, old houses down, and re repurpose all the wood. I know you guys do that down Oh, I thought that well. was, you mean that's next week, isn't it? What are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, so that's one of my friends who um, I, I gave him a job the second he was in work release, and he ran with it, and we built this business called Sledge Seattle, and that's mm. your next week's host. Cool. So, well, his name I, that, is Quest. Everybody listen to that. That's our next week's guest. That sounds cool, doesn't it? Yes, it does. You weren't listening. Were so, you? Sledge Seattle employs 100% ex-cons. Love it. So, so, every person that gets out of I mean, that's there's not one person that works for that company that that hasn't done time, except for its two founders. All right, Jeff, so, you know, we're getting closer to the end of the program, so right now we'll give you just a, a few uh, few minutes here to promote what you're doing, your coffee business, and anything else that you might want to throw out there. Website, let's lay down the 
particulars if you could. Yeah, so my website is Original Pilot House Coffees, or and my email address is www.ophc.biz, B-I-Z. Um, I roast coffee and send it all over the country. You mean your URL was, is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You didn't, did you want to give your email address out there? I, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, freaking email me. If you, you want some badass coffee, email me. Okay, let's hear <laughs> let's get the email address. <laughs> it's rousey at ophc.biz. Gotcha. Okay. Fantastic. I you know, I like your story. I like uh what you're doing. Um I have to come up visit you sometime because you're not that far away. And uh, I have lunch or something. And drink hey, some you got damn my number? coffee. You got my number. Uh, I, I will have it when I talk I to Michael. Because I got some things I want to talk to you about. So. All right, brother. All right. All right. Well, let's see. How much time do we have left there, Alon? Got to wrap it up? Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to thank everyone for joining us this week on Felony Inc. And that's with me, Dave Dahl, and my little buddy, my little private Gilligan, Vlad Justison. And I want to thank our guest, Jeffrey Mark Rousey founder of Original Pilot House Coffee. Next week's guest, as we just discussed, is Daniel Quest, Jaleffi? Yes, Jaleffi. Of Sledge Seattle. And we just discussed that a little bit. Join us every week live at 10 a.m. Pacific time at StartupRadioNetwork.com. If you don't join us live, we may visit your house late at night when you're least expecting it and make you listen. <laughs> breaking and entering Lad's ass again. This will be full on breaking and listening. Um, I want to thank, before I sign off, I want to thank our guest, Jeff, again. You've been great, and I'll talk to you soon. And uh, guess what? Coming up after the break is Latino Founder Hour with your host, Edgar Navis and Claudia Cardenas. Their podcast is usually in Spanish, so que pasa con mis hermanos y Hermanos. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.